0: Welcome to Thursday, the Thursday edition of the Pure Opelka podcast. Mike here with you. Thanks for joining me. I'm trying to do this each and every day as long as there are stories. And my goodness, do we have stories today? There's a lot of news to get to some of it. You already know we're going to talk about the Supreme Court situation and uh, we'll dive into it with some people who are a lot smarter than me. But there's also COVID news that I think is worthwhile talking about while uh, Dr. Fauci is telling everybody he doesn't think we're ever going to be rid of COVID, that we have to try and figure out what new normal is. The people over in Denmark, well, they're about to get normal. Less than a week from today, Denmark is dropping all the mandates, all the requirements, all the vaccine passports, all that stuff. So that's a good thing. Uh, Also a good thing. Last night, uh, we ended the crazy Jeopardy streak that I thought was just getting boring with uh, Amy Schneider, the Jeopardy contestant who has just been crushing it for the past, what was it, 40 consecutive games of Jeopardy, winning over a $1,400,000. Good for Amy, but it was boring, 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 so finally... Amy's gone. Yeah, you, if you miss Amy, if you're a big Amy fan, you'll get to see Amy on the Tournament of Champions, I'm sure. Uh, there is a, uh, a couple of technology stories that we're going to have to dive into. We need more information on them. One of them talks about a routine eye test that claims it can predict whether or not you will have a heart attack within a year. Think about that a routine eye test that will predict whether or not you're going to have a heart attack in the next year. Now, if you get that test and it says, hey, you're going to have a heart attack in the next year, wouldn't that just make your life miserable? Wouldn't you wake up every day going, oh, is this the day? Maybe they're going to say you can change something to, uh, to fix that problem. And uh, then there is the story about the scientists who are using a computer program to predict when civil society will completely break down completely and they're saying it could be as soon as 2040 18 years from now I hope that's not the case I'm planning on being around but I'd like to be around when civil society is still here a couple other stories out there Um, I'm a big supporter of free speech as you guys know I think all speech should be permitted Even if it offends you too bad, don't listen to it. Dan Bongino has just been booted from YouTube permanently, they have said. Because he talked about the ineffectiveness of masks. Well, we kind of know that, don't we? That's really not the reason they're booting him. They don't like Dan because he tells the truth. So, unfortunately, he's now going to be screwed by big tech I cannot wait for the midterm elections. What are we two hundred and seventy some days away from it? We need them today. We need a change in direction. Um, and then there is um, there is all of the hubbub, all of the speculation tsunami around the Supreme Court story. So let's uh, let's do a little Supreme Court discussion here, shall we? Shift gears and get into that. Sure. The big surprise that finally broke, even though many of us were expecting it uh, for months now, was the news that it appears Supreme Court Justice Breyer is going to be retiring. After all that pressure that was put on him last summer, uh, it finally looks like he's going to get through this season and then hang up his robe And that caused a lot of attention yesterday all around D.C. and all the news areas. In fact, the president even got asked about it. There has been no announcement from Justice Breyer. Let him make whatever statement he's going to make. And I'll be happy to talk about it later. Yes, later. Whenever that is. Back from the ice cream parlor. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Anyway, uh, I need help understanding all of this. So I turned to our friends at Pacific Legal Foundation, Pacific Legal, just so good on so many levels. And uh, they they came up and said, of course, you will talk to Anastasia Bowden. She's the perfect person to explain it to a neophyte like yourself. Anastasia, I've attended the Judge Judy Law School for like 25 years now. And um, so I think I'm a lawyer, but I'm not. But I, Lawyer
1: adjacent. I, How
0: about that? I, I'm adjacent. Is that what it's called?
1: <laughs> Lawyer adjacent.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds dangerous because a little knowledge can be a very dangerous thing. I'm glad you're here because you've got a lot. Um, when you first heard this, was it a surprise to you? It's only a
1: surprise in the sense that Breyer has been going around on a book tour saying that judging is not political, judging is not political, judging is not political, and now he announces just in time to get a replacement confirmed before the midterms and the Dems potentially lose control of the Senate. And so, you know, that's a little surprising to me. It seemed like Breyer was resisting that pressure. But at the same time, you know, we should expect that that justices do have their eyes on who's going to be nominating their successor. It does not actually transform judging into pure partisan politics. It just means that judicial philosophy tends to align with particular political parties, not always. And that, you know, justices are aware of their legacy and who's going to nominate their successor. So surprise and unsurprised, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think that's the uh, the most honest and accurate assessment of it. You just triggered a thought in my mind. Do Supreme Court justices ever hand a list to the president as they're retiring, saying, here's a few of my former clerks who are now in high positions. Maybe you should consider one of them. You
1: know, that, that's not known to be true. But I will say, interestingly, that Kennedy was replaced by Kavanaugh, who was his clerk. And here, uh, one of Biden's supposed top nominees is a former Breyer clerk. That's Kintaji Brown-Jackson. And so uh, it may not be that the justices themselves are suggesting, that, are suggesting to the president their potential successors, but it might be that the presidents are suggesting to the justices hey, you know, I can get your former clerk, your favored successor in if you retire
0: now. That's really interesting. And I'm sure all this goes on. We tend to think of institutions like the Supreme Court as this cold body of jurists, and they're really human beings. In fact, I've never been up there, but I understand there's a basketball court on the top floor of the Supreme Court that they use to work out. Have you ever been up there and seen that?
1: I haven't seen that, but I have heard that. Yeah, they are human beings. They have an ice cream machine in their in their uh, cafeteria. They have all sorts of fun things. They're not totally cold-blooded.
0: Good. That makes me feel better. Even the ones I disagree with on some of their political stances or their, uh, let's just say, their rulings on things. So uh, Justice Breyer retiring after the current session. Then we will, I guess, get the list of uh, approved or the slim down list of those. But you mentioned um, the uh, D.C. Circuit Court judge. Was that Kenji? Um, I, I forgot the rest of her name.
1: Yes, Kentaji Brown Jackson. Kentaji.
0: Kentaji Brown Jackson. And she seems to be the leading candidate right now among all the cool kids in the know on this.
1: Yeah, by all accounts, it's always hard to tell. The Supreme Court that is, you know, locked in such secrecy that it always kind of uh, uh, gets dribbles down to us in, in small doses, and we have to wade through it and figure out what's real or not. Another contender is a California Supreme Court Justice, Leandra Kruger. She's a former Deputy Solicitor General. One thing notable about this whole process, and, and again, it's, some people are speculating it's why Breyer is now choosing to step down, is that Biden had pledged to nominate the first black woman as a Supreme Court justice. So all of the top nominees, of course, will fit that demographic because that has been his pledge.
0: Yeah, it has been. And, you know, it is it is kind of interesting that that statement returns the week that the court is hearing the arguments Uh, regarding Harvard and North Carolina in terms of affirmative action, because that's basically affirmative action on the highest court, is it not?
1: That's a very astute observation. (laughs) You know, that adds a dimension to it about why the timing might be just now, especially with the court poised. To strike down affirmative action as violating the equal protection clause, which of course ensures to all of us that we will be treated equally, that the government will not look at us as simply members of our racial groups, that it will treat us as individuals worthy of, you know, a, a full consideration of what we bring to the table, and that's a really interesting thing that you know everyone expects. Well, I think many people expect, I should say, is. The Supreme Court, you, you'd be a fool to bet on what they're going to do. But many people expect the Supreme Court to say that affirmative action is no longer uh, acceptable. And here we have that announcement, which now allows Biden to, to make good on his pledge. So thank you for bringing that to my attention. I hadn't thought of that.
0: It's just one of those weird. My brain works in, in different ways. And I finally got someone at uh, PLF to say, hey, that's an astute observation. That rarely happens in my conversations. With you guys. So I, I'm I'm going to wear that like a, like a trophy. I, I it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. you. You can take it and use it however you want. So that's key. Uh, before we get out of here, I, I know this um, this decision is going to be monumental for Joe Biden. It's also a distraction from a lot of the uh, polling problems he's having right now. And so I'm sure this is welcomed by the White House. But do you think there is going to be a charm offensive with Republicans to make sure we don't have the kind of uh, confirmation hearing circus uh, that we saw for the last two confirmations?
1: Yeah, I have two thoughts on that. One is that this this confirmation will not be as consequential as the few most recent confirmations, because it's not going to change the ideological balance of the court uh, you know, there's not even a 5-4 split really anymore. It's 6-3. And so it doesn't matter who's nominated, you know, largely um, in terms of judicial philosophy, things are going to stay the same. But that being said, you know, it can be a rallying cry for both sides of the uh, people on both sides of the aisle when it comes to politics, because Democrats can say, hey, 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 let's, you know, uh, rally the troops and look at this good that Biden's doing, or let's make sure that we don't lose the Senate. Look how important the Senate is. But by the same token, the, the right can say, hey, this is how important the Senate is. If you're upset with the nomination, if you want to reclaim the courts, then we need to win back the Senate. So I think it's a rallying
0: cry for both sides. It's a win-win for everybody. All right, one final. <laughs> for every politician. That, that you're, well, that's a very good point, very astute point. If I could throw it back at you, Anastasia, uh, one quick one, because I've been talking about this for a while. I love to play the dramatic political games in these situations. I talked for weeks about rehoming the dog in the biden white house you know they took the bad dog that was biting all the secret service agents and pooping in the kitchen and they rehomed that dog to another family somewhere we don't know where and i thought well if you got someone that's not popular not doing the right thing you can rehome them too so um what do you think the odds are that biden would fool us all and rehome uh the vice president into the supreme court and then maybe bring in i don't know somebody like hillary clinton into the white house
1: you know, that's an interesting question, especially because there's been talk about what's going to happen. Um, you know, people have been whispering, is is Kamala going to make a run for it and try to oust Biden? So that's one way of neutralizing her. And certainly we've seen that in the past. Historically, we have seen presidents um, reposition political rivals at the Supreme Court. Lincoln famously did this um, with Salmon P. Chase. That was his biggest rival at the time. And he said, well, I'm going to put you on the Supreme Court and you're no longer a threat. So that's a, a potential consideration. But on the other hand, you have to think about how popular she is right now. I don't know if that would be a popular choice with Biden's base, but it would be a very interesting political move in line with what presidents have done in history.
0: I love this stuff. This is a soap opera for geeks like me. And I hope you'll come back as this thing gets more interesting, Anastasia. You're always welcome here.
1: Well, thanks for having me.
0: And if you're interested, go to a Pacific Legal Foundation is it plf.org or pacificlegal.org?
1: Pacificlegal.org. And we just heard recently this week that we're going to have a case at the Supreme Court this term. So, yeah, if you're interested in Supreme Court stuff, uh, we'll be there.
0: Woohoo! Thanks very much. I appreciate you.